Father, today, together, we are seeking your face. We know you are the invisible God, your spirit, and yet we can look around and see your handiwork. We can look around and see your goodness to us. We've received so much of it, so much of it, both as a country, as a church, as individuals. And so we thank you today and ask that once again as we open your word, that you would do for us what we can't do for ourselves sometimes, and that is to to add the grace to it, the spirit empowerment to it, to understand it, to apply it, to refresh hearts that are a little bit cold, to soften hearts that are a little bit hard. Would you do that work this morning? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I turn this off up here, this buzzing, uh, you know? Thank, thanks, Scott. Appreciate it. Oh, Rich. All right. So we've been in the Sermon on the Mount for a while now, a number of months, and I still think it's great, you know? Like people say to me sometimes, you, just, you must like tackling the hard topics, you know. You must like, you know, judgment last week. We've done divorce and lust and, and we've done a lot of things. And, and I think my answer is, when I picked the Sermon on the Mount, I, I guess I knew all that stuff was in there, you know. Like I've read this thing before. But preaching through it, you're like, if you're really going to face the text, if you're going to face it, it's going to be a little bit hard. It's going to be a little uncomfortable it's going to be challenging. And so maybe I didn't even realize how in your face the Sermon on the Mount is. But today I think is really great because we're talking about prayer. Okay, we're talking about prayer. And I think that's an appropriate shift in the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus has talked about, again, not judging. He's talked about purity. He's talked about not hating people. He's talked about all of these hard things that, that, are, that are, can be divisive even. And then you get to this text in Matthew 7 where it's like, so you're going to need to pray about all this, right? You know, like, I, I feel like that's what, where we're at. Like we're, we're on the home stretch. There's this week and Andrew will take the last message next week. And then it's like it's done. And so at this point Jesus is saying, you know what? You better pray about this. You better pray. Otherwise all this stuff I said you probably won't see it in your life unless, unless you're connecting to the Father and asking Him to do it. You have not because you ask not. So we ask. Now, um, the, the, the sermon title is Knock, Knock, God's There. So I thought, I'm going I'm to tell a knock-knock joke this morning, kids. Okay? So here we go. It's a Bible knock-knock joke, too. So it's very appropriate. Knock-knock. Goliath. Goliath down, you looketh terrible. All right, all right. And thank you for the mercy laugh. That was wonderful. That was wonderful. I didn't even have to pause awkwardly to wait for you to laugh. You actually did the laugh. We were talking about that at our pastor's meeting last week, how pastors tell a joke and then they wait a little bit. Like, are you going to laugh? <laughs> you know, don't do that. <laughs> so, um, 
that's also promoting, uh, I, I know what I'm doing this morning, that's also promoting our next sermon series, We're Doing the Life of David. So we are talking about Goliath this summer, all right? So that means in two weeks we kick off Life of David and go through the end of the summer. I love jumping into the Old Testament in the summer. I, I don't know what it is, but I, I just love it. So we're doing Life of David coming up soon. All right, so I hope you would turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. You'll have some notes in your uh, bulletins. If you're new here, we'd love you to take notes along with us. The memory verse for this summer uh, all the way through is going to be Psalm 23. You know, So I, I think it would be fun to quote it together at some point You know, as we're working on it. Okay, so we sang the song, Seek Ye First. This is the text that it's completely based out of. Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish... Well, give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. So, my outline today is ask, seek, knock. That, that's the outline. I'm, talk, I'm going to say a point about asking, about seeking, and about knocking. And then I'm going to tie it all together with one extra point that I think will bring us to a conclusion. But, let's talk about what it means to ask, seek, and knock. I, I've read some different people on this, and some people want to um, say that Seeking is stronger than asking, and knocking is stronger than seeking. There may be a point there. I don't think I'm trying to emphasize that this morning, but I do think there are are nuances in how we ask, seek, and knock. We're really just talking about prayer, though. We're just talking about making requests to God in an asking way, or a seeking way, or a knocking way. So maybe you look at it like this. We're in the uh, NBA Finals now. I don't know if you're watching the... The Warriors versus the Cavs. Well, I should just ask, right? Cavs fans, are you, are you here? Ooh, whoa, no, tough crowd. Wow. Okay, Warriors. All right, all right. Yeah, that, that's that's what we're cheering on to. So just so you know. Um. Anyway, those Cavs beat my Bulls. You know, they beat the Bulls. I can't I can't let it, let them go for that. You know. So anyway, okay. But in the game of basketball. Uh, the goal, of course, is to put the ball in the hoop. You, you score points that way. And there's different ways to do that. You know, there's the jump shot. And, and you've got to have good form on your jump shot. And then you can score. Or there's the layup. Layups require a little bit different footwork and a little different way to approach the basket when you do a layup. If you do a left-handed layup, that's a little different too. A little bit harder. They always make you do those in practice so in the game you can be kind of comfortable going up with the left hand. And then there's, you know, if you're tall enough, you might even be able to dunk it. How many of you have dunked a basketball in this room? Anybody? All right. One. One. Anybody, anybody else? 
Previous life. Derek, you haven't dunked it. Or Braden, you haven't dunked it. Put your hand down. Only when I lower the hoop to like, you know. All right. On the trampoline, yes. So in basketball, there's different kinds of shots, but at the end of the day, you're putting the ball into a hoop. That, that, that's all that it is, even though there's different ways to do that. So when we're talking about asking, seeking, and knocking, we're talking about the same thing. Prayer requests. Talking to God. But the nuances of it are a little different. The way you approach it is a little different. So we're, we're heading to the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, and I think Aunt Pastor Andrew's text next week is also a conclusion, talking about the fruit that comes from your life. But this is a conclusion where you say, I've heard Jesus say a lot of hard things. I better ask him to help me with some of these things. And Jesus would say, yep, start asking, start seeking, start knocking. Here we go. Let's talk about asking then first. Number one. When we talk about asking, what we're doing is we're, we're depending on God. We're depending on God. And, and part, of my, part of my approach of this text this morning is to ask the question, um, if God knows everything we need before we ask Him, which is also in the Sermon on the Mount, why do we have to ask Him anything, you know? If He's a good God and knows everything, why do we have to ask Him? What's the point of that? And, and one of the points of that is it shows us how much we depend. If you don't ask, you don't depend. And so many of us can go through long stretches. I don't know how you want to define long. But we go through stretches of our life kind of prayerless. And then something shakes us up or we're faced with something we know we can't handle. And then we go to God. Instead of saying, every day is a day that I need God's grace. And I know the scripture says His mercies are new every morning. Every day I count on waking up and getting more of God's grace to do what I have to do. And I know it's going to be there. Because, like Peter says, He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. And as Paul would say, all the promises of Christ are amen. They're amen in Christ. So, so God promises this grace. He gives it to us. And yet, He wants us to ask for it. Because we can go through periods of time where we just say, I got this. I got, I, I just, I'm good at doing life. I got it figured out. I can manage things. And we don't humble ourselves. And we get prideful. And then, and then something comes along in our life to remind us how much we need Him. And I hope that it's in those moments, and you know what those moments are. You, you've had them, right? You've had those moments where you're like, I can't manage this on my own anymore. I need the Lord. And you start calling out more frequently, more intensely. And I hope that when you get through that time, you remember you need God just as much on the easier days as you do on the hard days. You still need Him. You still depend on Him. So what prayer does, if you are a prayerful person, I dare say the chances are you are a humble person also. Not always. And I also dare say, if you're a prayerless person, 
It might be because you've got a pride issue. The problem with pride is we just don't see it. We don't see it. But, but prayer is a way to test the waters, you know. And I know most of us say we don't pray as much as we should. I understand that. I know that I don't either with what faces me during the week. But I'm striving for it. I know that what the ideal looks like, and, I, and I'm pressing on, even though I know I don't hit it the way I wish I would hit it all the time. But the problem is, when I don't pray, I know it's because I think I can handle it. And that, my friends, is pride. So even though we don't see pride, there's a good test of it. So asking is just, asking is just making requests of God and saying, I need you. Father, help me. In fact, uh, I think, Jim, you've got the verse on there, Luke eleven thirteen. It's a parallel verse to this passage. You'll recognize part of it because Jesus said part of this. But there's an addition at the end. Now, I'm not saying that Matthew's got it wrong and Luke's got it right. I mean, just, just let's have some Bible uh, interpretive principles here. Uh, Jesus is walking around teaching people. Do you ever think he repeated a message? I'm sure he did. I'm sure he did. Okay? Every once in a while, you get a recycled one too. I just don't tell you what they are, you know? So, all right. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, that's the same as in Matthew, how much more will your Father in heaven give, and this is the difference, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So at the end of the day, when you say, I can't, but I know I must, you ask for spirit empowerment. By the way, the Spirit lives in all of you anyway. All of you believers, He's in you 24-7. Ask Him to fill you. He'll, he'll do that. When you say, I don't have the joy, you ask Him for joy. When you say, I'm not at peace. You know, I've got turmoil in my heart. I, I'm dealing with some of these things in the Sermon on the Mount that we've been looking at. You ask Him to help you produce the fruits of the Spirit and He'll help you. I don't think God's the God who says, I'd rather you not have joy. I'd rather you not have peace. There are times in our life that are dry, but, but eventually you should have those fruits. Eventually. Because He wants you to have them. So we ask. And, and the Holy Spirit is given to those who ask Him. He is active when we ask Him. So we ask. Number two. Seek. Seek. And as the song says, and as Jesus said first, seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So that comes out of, and I think, I think we have the verse there to display as well. Or maybe we don't. I don't know if I gave you that one, did I? Matthew six thirty one. There it is. So don't worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I love the fact that Jesus pulls out the pagan word, you know? Like, you know, people that deny God's existence run after their drinks and their clothing and their food and their necessities. And Jesus says, I know you want to as well. I know you want to go after these things first and foremost, but would you please seek first the kingdom and the righteousness. And then God will add these things. You do pray for daily bread. That's in the Lord's Prayer. But 
first thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. First. And then give us this day our daily bread. I love how the Lord's Prayer models the whole thing of Jesus' priorities. What comes first? And so, I will always pray for healings. I will pray for people that are sick. I'll pray for all of these things. But maybe the conviction here for me lies in, am I seeking first the kingdom in my prayer life? Or am I seeking first needs in my prayer life? Okay? And you might say, that's kind of technical, because in the same prayer you can do both. Yeah, sure you can. But I know the physical is what's right in front of my face. And I know the Lord wants me to press into these invisible places. Right? My neighbor doesn't know Christ. Where's he at on my prayer list? I'm giving an example. I'm not naming a neighbor, by the way. <laughs> you know, your, your friend, your coworker doesn't know Christ. Where are they on the prayer list? Are they at the top as you seek first his kingdom? You've been praying a lot for people you know that are not behaving well in the church. Are you praying for yourself and your sin? You know, so, so how does this work out? Are you seeking his righteousness? Are you going after that, taking hold of that? And, and I think even when it comes to seeking, well, let me contrast asking and seeking a little bit. If Grayson wants a sandwich at lunchtime, he'll ask me, right? He'll ask me, Dad, I'm ready for lunch. I go get him, make him a sandwich. Christy will make him a sandwich. Cut up some fruit. And he's depending on me to make the sandwich. He's depending on me. And that's asking. You depend. If one of my kids comes up to me and says, I'm missing a toy. Dad, where's, where's the remote control for the Xbox? You know, Well, have you looked for it yet? No. Go look for it first. You know, m- maybe if I'm really charitable, I'll join them. Let's just be honest, you know. <laughs> I don't always do that well. But probably my first answer is seek. Seek. And so in every Christian's life, there are things that we don't know yet. God, what do you want me to do about this? And so you seek him. You got a big decision. You got a big move. You got a big transition. You got to make a decision about what to do about something that's a problem in your life. You seek. And, and guess what? God's better than Nile. He always joins you in the search. You know what I mean? He always joins you. God, I can't find the answer to this decision that I got to make. I'll go with you in the process. I was doing this um, plug for our rooted group. Our rooted study is entering its 10th week. We're almost done. In the fall, we want to launch rooted with the whole church. 10 weeks of, 10 weeks of awesome discipleship. We hope to have 80% of you in it. That's the goal we're setting, you know. So we had a week where we prayed and fasted and we spent half an hour praying together as a small group out loud as you feel led. And then we had half an hour where we broke off and just got a quiet place in the church and just prayed, just prayed. And I had the experience of, I felt like I was seeking God's will on a question I had. I was seeking, give me an answer. So Part of my time was was talking to God about what I was feeling, and part of my time was just 
silence. Would you give me an answer to this? I, I need this. And I don't think I had the definitive thing on that day. I, I wanted God to like be like, this is it. This, you got it today. You know, I did some more seeking after that on my own time, you know, not the rooted time. But God gave me an answer. Keep seeking. Keep seeking. Some of you have been seeking for salvation for family members. Keep seeking. Uh, probably getting ahead of myself there. <laughs> Knocking goes along with that line as well, too. So, um, seek, and God will join you in the hunt. You know, one of the most common, and you heard, um, you heard Evie talk about this this morning in the text of, of seeking God and pursuing Him. All through the Psalms and all through the Old Testament, there's this common refrain, seek the face of God. Well, when Moses wanted to see God's face, God didn't even show him his face. So we can't be talking about a literal, there's God's face, I see his nose. You know, It's not like that. But I want to see more of God in my life, and so in prayer I'm seeking that out. I'm seeking his face. I want to know him better. And I'll have a few more things to say about that at the end. Okay. Uh, let's do this. Number three, knocking. Knocking. Knocking helps us boldly persevere in our requests to the Father. My friends, if you come over to my house at 6 a.m. on Saturday and knock at my door, you better have a good reason. Because i got to get up every other day of the week. Saturday, I do like to sleep in. And I know that only means probably 8 a.m., but that's still good. You know, that's still awesome. That's still, that's still late for me. Um, if one of my kids comes to the door at 6 a.m. and is knocking on my bedroom door, I'm getting up. I'm getting up. If, if I see you, I'm probably getting up too because I assume you have a good reason. But, but if you started making a habit of coming over at 6 a.m. and and telling me about your week, I might be tempted to hate you. <laughs> just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Really? Who said that? <laughs> Who said that? Can we put Luke 11:15 up there? Then Jesus said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, Friend! Lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me. I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked. My children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not give up and give him the bread because he's a friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he'll get up and give him as much as he needs. I love it. I mean, again, Jesus' sense of humor, so clear here. You know, it's like, your, your best buddy is at the door knocking, saying, I need some bread. I forgot to go to Baker's today, and I got to get, you know, whatever. And, and Jesus is like, he won't get up because he's your friend, because you're not that close, you know. But because you were so bold, and maybe the unspoken is a little bit rude, but, you know, you were so bold to come at midnight, he will get up because it's probably shocking that you actually asked. At midnight. I've been woken up at midnight by somebody knocking at my door. Uh, They couldn't catch me by phone. 
Usually I have my phone on all night, so if there's an emergency call, I can get it. But whatever, that, that night I didn't have it on. And uh, I got up, and I was off to the hospital that night, and I was glad that person woke me up at midnight. The boldness makes you get up, okay? But if you're one of my close friends and you just like to talk at midnight, I'm sorry, we may not be close after a while. That was Jesus' point, not, not mine, just, just so we're clear. That was Jesus' point. There's a boldness that causes you to knock at the door and ask for something at a late night. And what Jesus is saying is, God welcomes that. He's, he is the person that wants that. He's not the stubborn friend like, I've got my cupboards full of bread, but really you're bothering me. He, he, he's not that way is what it's saying. He's not that way. So the text says, our, our Matthew 7 here, If you then that are the evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? You can't bother God with your requests unless they're selfish and, and then he just says no and, and, and James talks about that. But you're not a bother. And so some of you have been praying for things for years. Salvation for someone. The breaking of addiction in someone's life. Uh, to, to have a restored relationship with somebody. You, you know these hard things. You know what they are. And this is what you're doing. And some of you are tempted to say, well, since God hasn't answered me yet, I'll just stop. Because it must be a no. And Jesus says, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Persevere. Persevere. And, and don't think for a second, though, that persevering is somehow twisting God's arm, you know? The challenge here is to read this text and say, I'm not twisting God's arm when I've prayed for 10 years for somebody. I'm not twisting His arm. He's a good God. And maybe His timetable is different than mine. Maybe it is a no and I just haven't heard the no yet. Or maybe the yes is coming. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. So, these, just so I talk about grammar a little bit here, the grammar in ask, seek, and knock is present imperative. That's the Greek grammar of it. And, and you could rightly translate it, keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking. There's that sense of continual action. Don't give up. You're not going to twist God's arm and God's not going to say, well... You hit 10 years of asking me, I guess now I'll finally do No, God's not like that. But what God wants from you is to persevere in prayer. Especially for the hard things. Keep on knocking. And know that you're talking to a good God, which leads to point number four. And we're going to tie it all up now. Asking, seeking, and knocking helps us experience the goodness of the Father. Asking, seeking, and knocking helps us experience the goodness of the Father. Let me read this again. So, my question is, again, if God knows everything we need, why do we even have to ask Him? You know? 
if I forget to ask him for traveling safety when I leave church today, is he going to keep me safe on the road? I trust him to do that. Two years ago when, was it two years ago now? When I was, I was driving for a visitation on a, on a cold winter morning and I didn't see the black ice and I hit it and went right into a tree. If I would have prayed before I left, would there have been a different outcome? I kind of doubt it. I kind of trust that God kept me even when I hit that tree, even though I know God still wants me to pray. And so when we go on long trips like the one we'll go on this week to San Diego, you better believe I'm praying about it. I am praying about it. But I don't treat my prayers like a lucky charm, you know. I pray because I know God wants to hear from me. He wants to answer me. And at the end of the day, He is good. He's good. Which of you, verse 9 says, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those of you who ask him? So, God is not in the business of you, of you saying, God, give me peace. No, I'm actually going to give you some things to make you even more hurt. I mean, I know God allows hurtful things in our life. I know that. But but He's not doing evil to us, even though He allows evil. There's a little bit of a mystery there. But God gives good gifts. That's the point. Maybe I just stick to the simplicity of it, right? God gives good gifts. If you ask for bread, He's not giving you a snake. If you ask for fish, He's not giving you a scorpion. He's not doing that. That's the simplicity of it. Good gifts come from a good God. And yes, He trusts us to walk through hard things, painful things. So I think the point is, never, ever think that you're twisting God's arm for Him to be good to you. He wants to be good to you. He wants to bless you. He wants to. And then Jesus says, you know how you're an evil person? I love this, you know. Those of you that are evil, well, that's all of us, know how to give good gifts to our kids. Don't you think God knows how to give good gifts to his kids, especially because he's not evil? That's his character. So, so this is why God wants you to pray. When you pray and ask for things, even things God already knows he wants to give you, you know, like the daily bread, he may have every intention of giving it to you, but when you ask for it, This is what happens. God, would you give me safety as I travel down to Chicago to leave for San Diego? Would you you grant us safety? And then you have safety. And you get down there and you say, God, you are so predictable. No, I, I think you say, God, you're so good. You're so faithful. Maybe predictable is an okay word for it, you know? You come through for me. When you ask for things that even God already wants to give you, it opens you up to seeing how good He was to give it instead of just expecting it to be there. Well, of course I had a safe trip. But I asked for one, and He gave me one, which results in praise to Him. And oh, I think God is in the business of bringing glory to Himself. He's in the business of showing us how good He is. So the more you ask, the more you're able to see 
how good he is. So keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. And then when he answers, keep on praising. Prayer is a mysterious thing. I hope that some of it has become maybe a little clear on how it all works. Because I've struggled with the idea that I can't change God's will, right? And I remember one guy, I was reading a, a guy in college, a scholar, Layman Strauss, I think was his name. And his book was called Sense and Nonsense About Prayer. Good little book, little book on prayer. And he said, God's will doesn't change. But God's will includes changes through the prayers of his people. I'm like, okay, wait, 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 okay. You know, <laughs> God can will a change and he wills changes when you pray. Okay, mind is blown. I'll think about that the rest of the day, if not the rest of my life, you know. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot, Strauss. Um, pray, pray. And here's how we end it. Here's how we end it. Um, verse 12, In everything, do to others as you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. So like, it's like Jesus is saying, if I, didn't, if I didn't preach on the Sermon on the Mount on one of your favorite topics or something you think I missed, at the end of the day, would you just do to others what you want them to do to you? Now, the negative is also true, but the positive side of that is even more expansive. So the negative is, don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you, right? That's just the negative part of it. But Jesus is expanding it into, why don't you do for other people what you want them to do for you? Well, I like people to do lots of things for me, you know? I love being loved. I love being encouraged. I love being blessed. I love friendships, and I love all of these things. So you go do it to other people. If I'm in need, I want to see someone come through for me. So you come through for them, you know? Do to others what you want them to do to you. You'll never exhaust that verse in your life or even come close. And then he ends with, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. Small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Can I connect knocking with the gate for a second? Can we get that last verse up, Jim? That's Luke. 13. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? Kind of sounds that way when he says, enter through the narrow gate. He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, the word is many, I tell you, will try to enter and not be able. Well, what does that mean? Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you'll be standing outside knocking, 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 and pleading, Sir, open the door to us. But he will answer. That's the Master. That's the Lord. That's God. He will answer, I don't know you or where you've come from. And then later Jesus says, those people will go to a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, a reference to hell. Some people speculate, I think dangerously, that we're going to get a second chance to accept God after we die. 
I find that to be a dangerous speculation to tell anyone. Because I read a text like this, and there's a time when God closes the door. And then I compare this passage to ones like, it's been appointed for man once to die and then the judgment. And it sounds like we go from death to judgment without another opportunity to repent. So if God in his wisdom and mystery has, has given people a second chance, I mean, he's God, he can do what he wants. But as I read the Bible, I see that we have this life to respond. And then the door is closed. The door is closed. And people will knock at the door. Ask, seek, and knock. They will knock and say, Lord, save me. Let me in. And the Master says, the time's up. The time is up. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes now? If that is you, and you want to respond before the time is up, our message is the same every single week. Jesus died for you. He paid for your sins. He's forgiven you. If you want to receive that today and enter through the narrow gate, I invite you to. Would you look up at me if you wish to pray this morning with me? And we will pray together that you will enter through the narrow gate and respond by faith to Christ. I see you. I see you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness in my life. And this morning, I see that you've made a way for me to know you, to be saved by you. So this morning, I want to enter through the narrow door. This morning, I'm knocking. This morning I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. So please forgive me. I confess I've done so much wrong. I thank you for your forgiveness. And I thank you that even now, from this day forward, I have the hope of entering in the gates of heaven and never being turned away. Thank you. And now help me follow you all the days of my life. God, you are so, so good. Please continue showing me how good you are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.